Libertad. Women, Success, China is powered by the Seneca Network. We are bi-weekly podcasts focused on capturing the lives of women in and from greater China at the top of their professional game. I'm your host, Juliana Batista. Many thanks to the entire team at SubChina, including co-producer Kaiser Kuo, Jason McRonald for ending, and Jamie Louie for marketing. This week, we're joined by Esther Chen, stand-up comedian and accomplished actor from Taiwan. In addition to being seen on HBO, Hulu, Amazon, FX, BuzzFeed, and MTV, she actively points out that at the age of four, she had her debut stage performance as Narrator One in a reading of The Night Before Christmas at her English language learning cram school. She reportedly was the best Narrator One there has ever been in the history of the local kindergarten. And, you know, this lighthearted yet no-nonsense approach to life was exactly what I was expecting to get from Esther, pulling me out of my interviewing comfort zone along with it. But we also see glimmers of a more introspective, thoughtful Esther as we navigate questions of identity and success in her industry. Also for listeners, I'd like to point out that this was recorded in early March before the escalation of COVID-19 and just want to make note of that in terms of the type of headspace that we were in. It really, truly is a delightful episode. A good listen to cozy up and enjoy. Juliana here with Esther Chen. She likes to be called comedian. Coronavirus. It's very early. Full of phlegm. Yes, we were just uh, looking at some ways to uh, defeat the coronavirus. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been doing a lot of topical jokes, and then someone's like, oh, I just want you to know, Lysol. And he wasn't lying. I was like, this is totally another fluke. Well, I will That's say- some old person chain mailed on Facebook and shit. And then I was like, wow, it's weird. I will say they do call it the novel coronavirus novel coronavirus it's like the, the book version and and then so maybe it's a different type of coronavirus. maybe because our version of coronavirus came from bats right i heard snakes oh but i don't know i don't know anymore it doesn't matter did sars come from cats who knows <laughs> so anyways i was gonna ask you a really vague question just you know, i hate vague questions i'm excited to see where you go with this great and, 32 you know. double d <laughs> <laughs> I would love to kind of hear, and I think listeners would just like to know, you know, who's Esther Chen? Give us a little bit of a highlights reel of So your I won career. the Oscars last weekend. Congratulations. Thank you. It was a very big moment. You know, I can't believe that everyone was so supportive of Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually kind of exciting. Yeah. Ooh, Parasite. Yeah, I know. It was really cool. Um, sure. I guess. I, I, what, what do you know? What do you know about me? I'm curious to know. Here, why don't you go? So, I mean, I've watched your drama reel. I've watched oh, your comedy reel. God damn it. Reel. And you watched my, from my old website, which it, I am very ashamed of. Yes, it looks like, <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of oh Succession. My God. I saw your cameo Oh, there. yeah. Okay, that's funny. Yeah. Like, nobody knew it was going to be a big deal. But it's mm. interesting to me because, you know, you're bouncing back and forth between yeah. know, dramatic roles, comedic roles, doing some stand-up. Yeah, it's weird. What I really want to understand is, you know, 
Like, what were you initially drawn to? And the glamour, no. And then also kind of the behind the There's scenes like no of, ha- of casting and auditioning. Oh, you want the real juice? Yeah. As, as also, <laughs> I mean, like being an Asian actor. Right we already now, mentioned my so name, topical. so I can't tell you like the real juice. Uh, <laughs> you have to be like, yeah, we don't know who you. she is. <laughs> I mean, we could do this. Yeah. <laughs> you have to like bleep out my name every time I say it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll I'll share the more PC stuff. Sorry, listeners. Let's see. It was Succession. <laughs> I got on set and I was like, we shot like on December 23rd or something or 24th. Maybe I can't remember. And I just remember, I feel like the only reason I am on set right now is because they could not find anybody else who was available on December 24th. They had to find <laughs> someone who had no family that loved them. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, that's me. <laughs> that's why I'm here. Um, no, actually, for some reason, like those two roles were very, very hard to cast. Um, I don't know why, but that's what I heard when I saw the second actor. So we were kind of like a pair that were working in the White House. And the second pair was like, yeah, dude, I just got my uh so i knew like months before that i was gonna be on set that day and he was just cast like two like maybe a week ago or maybe less yeah like literally the day that i went in to get my fitting which is like three days ago he was like no that was the day on my audition i was like what which is really strange um that means like they've been looking for this role for like a hundred days um and initially i had his part he had like this like long if you look at the that uh episode Specifically, he had a long monologue and I had like three lines and I was cast in his role. But um, Succession, they like to improv on set. It's like a British cast. Um, oh. So they did a little bit of improving and they had a feeling that they wanted the, the main guy um, to like do improv like a joke or something. And I think the joke that he was leaning towards or maybe they told him to say, I don't remember, was like, what do you mean you show your pants? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take off my pants and like show my face, something like that. And it was like at the height of the Me Too movement, you can't say that to a woman. Um, so him and I had to switch roles. So ah. they definitely told us like the night before. It's like, mm, just learn the other part because we don't know what's gonna happen. At least in your way, you only had to learn. Right, exactly, because I was ready to like spew out a monologue, um, <laughs> which is like I memorized that monologue for the audition. It's like, uh, you know, but that happens all the time. You know, things change all the time. And you were recently also in an indie film as really? well, Caught. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not that excited about playing detectives, but okay. Yeah, sure. I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> what type of roles get you really excited? I don't know because I don't feel like I'm at the caliber where it's like, oh, I'm playing this role in this movie that's really exciting. Um, I think good writing gets me excited. There's a lot of bad writing out there. <laughs> <laughs> and like what's what so terrible for me writing? to say what makes good writing um if it has a detective, i guess when it comes to writing no exactly <laughs> if it has an asian person's good writing um <laughs> uh asian woman writing? um not overwriting i think understanding the medium you know tv is like a i mean tv and film like it's called the picture show right back in the days it's composed of the stories being told by the images that we see mm-hmm. so if you write it a certain way on paper you can overwrite it really easily you can make it very difficult the dialogue could be terrible it's very hard to pinpoint like oh this is the like if you use your punctuation it's wrong this is bad writing i think probably people have to read a lot of scripts to be able to tell like what's good what's not oh you know what i'm really excited about i think i should be able to talk about this by now yes the trailer came out so there was this pilot from last pilot season it's called next mm-hmm. and i read the script oh my god i i was sitting right here and 
the script was it's not scary but it is filled with so much suspense i had to oh, i had to crack that door behind you open and i had to stick my boot in it so that i could feel there's at least some public with me because i felt so scared and you thought that yeah. putting your boot in the door would help protect you. <laughs> yeah, like, in case something attacked me. Because it's about, like, technology and, like, the Alexa, Google Home Oh, so your like, home thing. was almost the... I mean, I have one there, but it's not, like, going to eat me. <laughs> um, it's just, like, a little round thing. Um, but I felt... I was so scared. And I remember at the very end, I got to the very last page, like, I screamed. I was like, ah! Like, high-pitched scream. And, like, I am not a screamy person. Uh, so I was like, holy shit, this is... This you just is... got that from the script. That was Yeah, just from reading visuals. it. Yeah, yeah. Just from reading stage directions and dialogue. Ugh. And uh, it's just so... It's so well written. It's so exciting. It's filled with so much suspense. And the way... I, a lot to do with, like, the plot or how you use utilize images um, so that things are unexpected but also... I don't know. What do you? What makes successful good? I mean, succession good. I've never watched it. <laughs> you know, that's a great question. Because when I was on it, I obviously didn't know what was happening because nothing was released. I think it's the intensity, and sometimes when a storyline is so far mm-hmm. removed mm-hmm. from your personal, your personal life, and so much of society's personal life, but it's something that you want to peel the door behind. So I think. When you have that as a baseline, then you just have really great acting well, what, set on top of that. Uh, I mean, have you seen, like, Game of Thrones beginning and end? No. <laughs> so you've only seen the beginning, not the end? Yep. Uh, so I haven't seen the bad season of Game of Thrones. Uh, what seasons have the you seen? The last season of Game of Thrones I haven't seen. Oh, but yeah. you've seen, like, the second to last, right? Yeah. So you've already seen where things have gone downhill. Yeah, that's okay. fair. That's fair. So, like... Tell me, what do you think? What's good and bad about that? I don't know. I feel like also there's something. I mean, about I feel like it's more about the plot of, as well. Yeah, and I also yeah, feel that like one was very plot heavy. That determined what was good and what wasn't good. Yeah, and if the screenwriters just decide that they're not as committed to writing, because yeah. I feel like. But that surely, like the plot was very laid out because of the novel in the first right. what, five seasons, and then yeah. it's kind of the author, not actually the screenwriters. That exactly. I mean, the screenwriters the did have to adapt it, so that's still a really big part of it. But like the plot is there for them. So you know, you're saying there's that, a lot of way to screw it up. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> many it seems like. like. It's like I'm a, out of my depth. It's here, like a relationship, man. <laughs> How many ways can you fuck it up? <laughs> like infinite. <laughs> So you're in you're in the midst of the pilot season, and yes. I again is someone that is well is midst yeah kind of what is pilot season? Traditionally speaking, it's when all the networks bring out the new uh, scripts. They uh, shoot a little bit of it, so maybe like uh, an episode of the pilot episode or the first season, depending on who's involved, how much money is being put down already. And then uh, when it comes to upfront seasons, they decide what continues and what doesn't. So during this time, a lot of actors have an opportunity to become uh, recurring roles or series regulars on these pilots and then go into something. So, for example, on the show I was talking about next, I went in as like an IT person, a tech person. And I went in again as, oh, God, I went in a couple times for it, but I can't, can't remember what. Um, but yeah, and now that series picked up 
Mm. But I knew I was like, if this doesn't pick, get picked up, I will be so People heartbroken. Yeah. But there are there is a couple of stuff that should be picked up and doesn't get picked up, and there are things that should not be picked up and have like two seasons of it. Well, I'm not gonna talk about what shows those are. But you see them on TV, and you're just like, what the fuck is How wrong did this with? Happen? Yeah, like who yeah. the hell is watching this shit? And sometimes there's a big name attached, and sometimes Middle America is like all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say went in. What does oh, that mean? Like I auditioned for it. What happens? But how do you how do how do you get the script? How oh. do you go in? Someone that's not right, right, know, right. For it's sure. Actually- um, the entertainment industry is one of those things where merit doesn't match what you receive. I guess. I guess like as any other occupation, you know. I guess if you're a teacher, the longer you've been teaching, the more experienced you are the more, I guess, leeway in some ways you get in terms of, like, pick or seniority or, you know, your package is better. <laughs> your package is better. Dumb joke. <laughs> um, your package is better. You get paid more, uh, you know, things like that. Um, or even as a doctor or in a marketing firm, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, but that does not work for acting at all. So you can be the best actor in the world. But... Because of whatever reason, things don't happen for you. Like, for example, I have friends who've never acted before and they've only been studying it for two years and they have the right look. It is what the market consumes and wants. And they are recurrings on big shows shooting in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're, you just, and it's not like they're, it's not necessarily the, like because they're gorgeous or amazing i mean that helps sometimes because they look a certain way mm-hmm. or, or something mm-hmm. that li- that they're looking for like a couple years ago it was like indians were really hot i'm talking about indians from india indians were really hot and then indians with a british accent were like ooh, like mm. for women like in in like you wouldn't like you would have very little acting experience but get in a lot of rooms because of this like very specific things that, that mm-hmm. they're looking for. Yeah, or I, or gorgeous Indian women. I think still will work more than East Asian looking women. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this I, this is the question that you know I'm going to ask you. With really, like what? With, <laughs> I don't know. With Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, uh, with Parasite mm-hmm. booming at you know the Oscars topical like last week, mm-hmm. and with you know. Groups, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gold House, um, no. Hollywood, Asian uh, group that's basically, you know, supporting both monetarily, resource-wise, a lot of different Asian actors on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do you think about, you know, putting more Asians on screen and putting more Chinese, all different parts of Asia on the screen, getting them out there? Uh, having more roles that are less typecast, hmm. like, do you think that it's just a trend as you're you're talking about right now, or do you really think that this is a, a concerted move in a different direction for the industry? That's a big I had question. A teacher that said it takes about three years for things to happen. So, for example, crazy rich Asians happens like boom, we see that that works, but. People don't really know what to do with diversity yet. They know it needs to be involved, but the script doesn't necessarily support that per se. So it's definitely like a jigsaw puzzle. So for example, um, we are in a law firm and this team has three people. We have 
the main dude and we have the second year under him, the sophomore slash junior, and then we have the rookie. Mm-hmm. Now, there's three people. Um, one has to be diverse. One has to be a black person. And one has to be white. I guess neutral. Now, perhaps in the past, all three were written as – or let's say two were written as white and the sophomore slash junior is written as black. But now we know we need to have something else in it. But we don't know exactly what yet. So it becomes – like the the – the character isn't necessarily written for an Asian person. Um, and so the, the breakdowns are all going to look like ages 20 to 45 mm-hmm. male or female, any ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're working with mm. these days. So you'll go in and you're like, Oh, I'm not 45. <laughs> And sure, any ethnicity, but it's like the entire, guess what? The entire town is any ethnicity. So what is happening here? Um, It's because they're figuring this out. And it takes three years for these kind of changes to happen because then now people are getting the money to write it. And then people are actually writing this. And then then people are interested in, in things that are written for the interest, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I haven't, so I haven't seen it yet, right? Because it's crazy. I haven't really, really, like, there is a little bit to, yes, it's changing, but it's not like, whoa, overnight, everything is, like, blown off. Yeah, because like, I was going to say, how does that affect? Diversity just doesn't happen overnight, right? Same with, like, you know, we've seen in American history. It just, a law is passed and doesn't mean that is the case. Yeah, I was going to say, how does it takes, that affect your like, experience? like, another century. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does that, uh, do you, have you seen a difference in, you know, the audience that come to your your comedy sets in terms of the receptiveness um, of I mean I do horribly topics. with Asian audience so that's such a terrible if I see Asian audience I'll be like god damn it um <laughs> <laughs> like every time I do like an like an Asian show I don't do really well I feel like it definitely cater more to the non-Asians uh, I think that's probably a thing to do with like I mean I haven't figured out why I don't I don't know I haven't figured it out um but I do find that a diverse audience likes me better than an Asian Asian audience. Hmm. Yeah. But diverse audience can also be. I mean, there are Asians <laughs> in there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As we just discussed. Yeah. Just everything. Everything. It's everything. Yeah. That's interesting. So like what sort of content are you workshopping right now for? Um, what's interesting to you? C- content wise? Yeah. Besides oh the coronavirus. God. Um, oh, you mean like writing for con- stand-up yeah. comedy? Hmm. I, I've been mostly writing about stand-up uh, about coronavirus um, because I haven't re- really like experienced that much racism mm. because obviously Taiwan, we it's not very diverse. It's just like one color, and then we have like indigenous people, and of course there was like racism and whatnot. But that's sort of. I guess it was, like, much worse in my parents' generation. And my parents are old, so almost like my grandparents' generation. It was pretty severe. Um, But I think when it gets to my generation, it's – we don't really care much anymore. Not that we don't care, but it's just, like, it's not – it's not a very actively uh, thing anymore. But it is weird. Suddenly I'm being asked a lot of questions, like, were you in China? Mm, Uh, Did you go to China? Yeah, and it's, like, are are you Chinese? Like things like that, mm. yeah. Or the assumption that I am, or, or, well, but is your country part of China? And I'm just like, what are you trying to ask me about about that question? Like, 
is it because you care whether my country is part of China or like what is the purpose of this question? It's very confusing. Like, are you just trying to ask me? Do you think me? I'm contagious? Right, exactly. It, like, is that the question? You can like, just ask me that. Right, because when you ask is like, are you Chinese? It, like, and I wrote something about that. I was like, everybody is fucking Chinese because Genghis Khan fucked all the way to Italy. <laughs> and then the Romans fucked all of Europe and then white people fucked the rest of the world. So guess what? Everybody has 20, like, go do your 23andMe test. You're going to find shit. Like, everyone, you have like weird, like 0.04% Chinese. <laughs> there you go. Genghis Khan. Yeah. So it's just weird to be, to be, or, or like just to have like a small, like, I have pretty severe allergies. And like in this season where like the heat is running, like the pipes and the things that they blow out, it's um, harder for me to breathe. So I would like wipe my nose on the subway and like people would freak out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird to be noticed that much. It's like racism is a very funny thing. It's not just like, go back to your country. Like, well, I mean, sometimes it is that. But to to be on high alert because of certain events, it's like, it's weird. It's so, it's so odd Yeah, as a grown person to experience that. Or even like, I remember like the day after Trump got elected, like I heard people say, go back to China. On the subway platform, like multiple people. And it was wow. scary as fuck. Like I remember like walking into a subway car and literally doing like a really intense sweep to be like, are there Asians in here? Because I feel like I might get attacked. Because people are like, go back to China. And then like there are fucking crazies that like push you off the platform. I'm like, oh my God. Like if someone verbally attacks me, I need to know there's another Asian person who would stand up for me. And it mm-hmm. does not help that we are so quiet mm-hmm. that if someone saw me being harassed i don't know if an asian person is going to speak up or or have my back right it's just a different so that felt that felt really scary yeah yeah so what are you looking forward to uh nothing (laughs) (laughs) oh man what am i looking forward to well i mean this morning i was very inspired by rami the show rami and ugh. I mean, I'm uninspired that he's so young. I mean, that's inspiring. It's like, oh, he's younger than me and he's done so much more. Um, mm. But it's different. I think it's it's different. Um, I think this medium is much harder for me because I think in Asia, we don't grow up thinking, well, I can write mm-hmm. this and that. Mm-hmm. Or the sensibilities of writing in Asia versus in America is extraordinarily different Mm -hmm. as you've experienced. Mm -hmm. It's a different world. Um, To get the sensibilities of what Americans find funny is not what Asians find funny. And um, when I'm writing pilots and whatnot, it's just no one ever said you could write plays who the I don't even nobody even knew what plays was. it was like plays oh Shakespeare wrote plays but that's Shakespeare like Shakespeare wrote plays nobody else does right that's that's the mentality when right. you grow up in Asia like you don't write plays like somebody else did it so that you can read them even what about musicals I mean say I mean we didn't I've never even seen a musical until I, I was an adult now, yeah I mean yeah but <laughs> after auditioning for a couple <laughs> I still haven't seen one um yeah like no one I think the exposure, the the extraordinarily late exposure to this definitely makes me very late to the game and to understand what's good work and what's not good work. I feel like a large part of my career is just like educating myself rather than actually creating, which makes me feel like I started really behind. Mm. You also did some translation work. Yes. Was that early on in your career? Um, 
Was that a few years middle, ago? Middle of it. I got fired. <laughs> uh, so what's the story You probably don't want to say the show because it's a famous show. What's the story behind um, that? I don't... I, I think I got fired. I'm pretty... Well, the, I think in this world, they don't necessarily tell you you get fired. Mm. But I have a pretty good hunch that's what happened. Do they just politely ghost no. you? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Yeah. Like work ghost you? Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I can speculate too much, but other than like this industry is about money and power. So mm-hmm. if something in that doesn't didn't align and it, it wasn't aligned in their interest, like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What was the translation work like? Um, I don't like translating. Okay, I really don't like it. I mean, I still have so many friends that reach out to me like, oh, I have this audition, I need you to help me with it. But it's funny, right? Because in Asia, Chinese was my worst subject. <laughs> <laughs> like, if anyone were to be like translate, it's like not not mm. her. <laughs> Not her, girl. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's like in America, you know, let's say like some like white person from like middle of Staten Island, like can't even like form a, like, let, let's say Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore went, went like on a study abroad in China, in Beijing. Okay. <laughs> Jersey Shore found itself in Beijing. And then Beijing was doing the show where some people need to speak English. You couldn't find someone who could help them. So, they because of like friends of friends they're like oh you speak English you're from you're from America you're from America come translate it's kind of what happened <laughs> it's like okay I guess I can speak English you know wasn't my best subject mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah I'm able to do it but it's not like but I but you're not actively seeking it out no but that's the thing like I don't think there's a lot of people who are the who are fluent the way I am. So these jobs find themselves to me very right. easily all the time. Right. To have someone who has that sensibility in Mandarin and English, it's like, as you can see, there's no, there's never a direct translation of things. But to get the feeling of it and to be in the context of the story is difficult. Mm-hmm. That's what's difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because very often Americans will write this line and be like, nobody ever says that. They're like, but why? It's a real sentence. I'm like, yes, but this logic doesn't make sense in Mandarin. People don't right. think like this. Right. I can translate it, but they'll be like, huh? What? I always like to ask guests this question, and I'm curious about your answer to it. You know, we often get a lot of advice over the course of our careers. Oh, my God. Right? And what the way I like to ask this is I think a lot of people will say, okay, What's a piece of advice that you've gotten? But I would like to ask it instead is, you know, what's a piece of advice that you've gotten that you've found yourself giving to someone else? One of the casting directors I mo- admire the most, her name's Marcy Phillips. She's the head of casting at ABC. And she has this really famous book that a lot of actors have read. It's called The Present Actor. She always talks about um, just that she's seen it all she's seen every actor at every stage she grew up in the industry she knows all the big names all the small names in hollywood yeah i mean she's she grew up in this industry like Mm -hmm. her parents were in it and she's in it and she just wanted to say like you know you have to be happy exactly where you are um because this is why famous actors kill themselves this is why they have drug problems alcohol problems all sorts of problems because at every stage you're dissatisfied you're thinking once i get to the next stage i'm going to resolve this problem and it doesn't the problems change they mutilate into something else they can get more intense because more stakes are in it so right where you are if you're not satisfied this problem will only get worse Mm. Do you take your own advice? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> but you give that advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand it. It's it's hard to practice, I think, sometimes, because 
it's easy to be dissatisfied. Why? Why is it easy to be dissatisfied? Because hmm, I'm a greedy person. Um, why is it? I mean, it's because I think what we do is hard. Um, we're relying on the next job we book for to feed ourselves. We're hoping to like quit our day jobs. We're hoping to do what we love to do full time. And this industry is crazy. Like, and she says in her book, like, you know, one day you'll be like the hottest thing in town. And the next day you will not work again. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you'll, it just, it's unpredictable mm-hmm. just because you're doing well now does not mean next year you will do well. Mm-hmm. And does that mean that it does not mean that it will continue or maintain, you know, not everybody gets that. And, and it's normal to have this, like, what's that guy's name? Um, the the guy who plays Aladdin in Aladdin. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, he hasn't <laughs> had an audition since that movie. And you would think once you did that, you know? I mean, he obviously like, he's not, like, going out for, like, student films because I'm like, come on now. But it's, like, you would think once you got there, you probably, like, maybe not even need to audition, maybe. Maybe. Right. Like, maybe you're negotiating, but she hasn't had one since crazy it's fun it's crazy yeah it's nuts what's the time you felt like on top of the world after is it has it been? oh yeah i did i remember yeah like i did the abc showcase and that was like unbelievable tell me more about that yeah i think it's mostly unbelievable because like i was submitting for it for 10 years and i've never even gotten an initial round so how it works is like <clears throat> I want to say they go through five rounds of auditions, maybe, maybe. I don't. So they take submissions from all over the country, maybe eleven thousand, maybe. Am I making up numbers? I think it's eleven thousand. Wow. And from of headshots and maybe reels. I think it's only headshots. And then they whittle it down to initial rounds of the first round of people. I don't know how many they see. They you do a one minute comedic monologue that is published. Mm. One minute. Uh, I submitted for since twenty twelve. So I submitted for seven years, 2012 until 2018. I've never been called in. And then 2018, I got my first appointment with my manager at the time. And I was really excited. I'm like, holy shit. After all this time, I got my first round. So I did my one-minute monologue. And I was like, that's it. That's You know what? Today is a big step forward because you've never heard anything from this. And now you have. So Mm -hmm. something's working. And then I got a callback Oh, there was a callback round that I didn't have to attend. I think then they make you do sides. You go in, you record sides. Uh, I skipped to the next one. And then, which is, it's called the mix and match. So you go in and you cold read with another actor for two rounds. And you don't know, you don't know what size you're going to get. And you get it, you go in, you read it. And that's it. Uh, You do two rounds of that that day. Um, and you can t- like actors get really, really nervous because they don't have the script beforehand. It's a lot of cold reading. Um, the roles aren't even necessarily assigned and then they do one more. And then if you pass that day, they whittle it down even more. Uh, and then I think they whittle it down to 20 and then from, they do another double rounds of mix and match. And from there they pick who's in the showcase. So I remember finding out about it and I was just, I couldn't believe it yeah and people I know some a couple of people in my quote-unquote class have like been called in multiple years mm. and and they keep calling you back because you know they like you and sometimes it's not about, the right fit yeah exactly it's just the chemistry of it yeah so I was just I just couldn't believe it and like my first shot who'd you tell first probably my boyfriend yeah 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 I don't have family in America so like 
how the hell am I going to explain this to my parents? They're like, but do you get paid? No. <laughs> but, do you, you know, but so you have a real job? No. So you're promised a role? No. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry. I don't understand what this is. <laughs> yeah. Do you go home? Do you go home often? Sometimes? Uh, once a year. Yeah. But this is nothing that my parents would ever, ever understand. So they're like, like I mean, even the name, even the word casting is so new mm. that the word casting in Mandarin is casting. I mean, in Taiwan, at least. I think in, in China, they probably have a more form, formal word for it. Um, and of course, we have like Shijing, We have like Shenba or whatever. or, or um, But I think a, a very casual way of saying it is casting because mm-hmm. it's it's a very Western concept. I think mm-hmm. back in the days, they probably just went, there's only that many, you know, movie stars and there's politics and clout around them. And it's about who you know and... Mm-hmm. small market like i mean i don't know if you experienced this but growing up in asia like i didn't grow up in asia so. i know but you've probably like <laughs> seen a, a little bit of a facet of it of this understanding that you kind of had to bo- be born into the right family to be doing hmm. acting it's mm-hmm. or like politics you kind of have to be born into that family mm. to be doing politics i mean communism is different but even in taiwan like you probably your parents are lawyers or something or else like if you if your parents selfish in the market you're not you're not gonna be a politician or an actor you know mm-hmm. you have to be like or someone like goes to the fish market and discovers you but that's that's one of those crazy stories but otherwise you kind of be born like your parents are entertainers or maybe they work in news or something like media journalism related otherwise you don't get to be an actor unless your parents are in in a very strange or like gangsters like if your parents are gangsters like part of like the mob part of like the mob in some ways or they have connections to the mob you could be an actor it's so weird right or like um your parents are politicians and because they're famous that way then you can be an actor it's not the it's not an occupation that's so open market in america it's like you can be whatever you want to be and it's like Whoever wants to gets a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. as it's it's very exclusive, is what I'm saying. It's, mm-hmm. And you don't really know the path to get into it either. Yeah, you'd have to know someone well enough to do so. Did you spend some years growing up in Taiwan? No, I grew up in Taiwan. Okay, yeah. When did you move to the states? I didn't really move here. I just like came here for school. Oh, I studied. I, st- I quote unquote studied abroad in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that experience like? Um, is that too big of a question? Yeah, it's a really big question. It's a, it is a very big question. <laughs> it is a very big. I question. mean, you know, a lot of kids that studied abroad. I, mean, I like know half, but I feel like everyone has a unique lived experience. It's like I think you know some of the questions I'm asking. You could you could say okay, here's the answer of it, but I feel like not giving the space to give those answers would also be unfair to make an assumption. I guess right. Um. Uh, it was definitely hard to make friends. Um, it was hard to make friends because when I came here to study abroad, there were not a lot of kids from abroad. I went to NYU. That's actually un- surprising. Undergrad. Yeah. Because there were no, there were no like foreign students undergrad. Like, you know, grad school, there's a ton. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's different. Now yeah, I'd say there's so many Now these students. days, there are a ton of Koreans. There are a lot of Chinese people. But when I was going to school, like, we didn't give out visas to Chinese people to come to America. Mm. Like you did not see, like unless you were like in Flushing and you saw, or or in Chinatown here, 
but you didn't see the new wave of like the wealthy Chinese people mm-hmm. um, here. Did you always know yeah. you wanted to study abroad for college? No. Okay. I think I knew I had to because I was stupid. Like, <laughs> it was like, my only I, shot. If I, yeah, it's like if I want an education, it's gonna have to be somewhere. It's to be in the states. I mean, the testing system. Just, I don't think I was meant for it. I would have failed miserably. Uh, <laughs> so I had a hunch because of that. Um, yeah, all the dumb kids study abroad. You know. Because all the, all the, you know, really, really smart kids would just get into the top universities in Asia. But no, I, uh, yeah, I, I knew early on that was not my path. <laughs> that was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so at Tisch, was that where you discovered no, your I, love for No, I we... went to Steinhardt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. I mean, I went to Tisch for a little bit, but I think the majority of my time I spent. Okay, because I think when I read some of your bios. Yeah, because says... I don't actually write my actual credentials. <laughs> Because uh, it's like unnecessary. I mean, I could be. It's like, I guess these days they're looking for like real people. So you want to write your real thing. Oh. I was a cobbler for 10 years. <laughs> and then I'm, uh, um, now the, these days they're looking for real people. Um, but back in the days, it's just like, I just want to know your training. That's it. Yeah. I know you say you discovered your love for acting when you were narrator one. And, oh, yeah. But... Which is also really, very unconventional. Do you really feel like that is when you truly discovered your no, love for acting? But like, I feel like that was. But your... I think as an average Asian kid who's never seen theater, or yeah, just like, what kind of kid had an opportunity to do that? Yeah, to like get on stage when they were four? No, no way. Like you don't even get on stage to like college mm. to like do your first presentation. Um, but fortunately. My mother started the first kin- the first English speaking kindergarten in Taiwan, and uh, like fully like no Mandarin at all. Like it's a complete English environment, and um, I was the first class because I was a guinea pig, and th- th- we we tried out different things. We tried putting on really shitty plays for kids to immerse in that environment. Yeah, mm. so so I think because of that it was. I had a very different growing up experience mm. than other kids. Mm. Like I, I got to try these things. I got to put on a costume. I got to step on stage. I got to, I guess, publicly utter English words in front of people I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it could be transformative. It could. I, I mean, it could also not be. Four, you kind of don't give a. <laughs> yeah. It's like they told me to do this. Here I am doing it. But isn't that like such the magic of being young? Yeah, because yeah, you, you just know, don't care. Yeah. Fine, you want me to do it? All right, do it. I'm done. <laughs> when in your career have you felt most vulnerable? All the time. Yeah. Just because you have more credentials doesn't make you more or less vulnerable. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like, you know, one day you're doing well doesn't mean doesn't promise that the next day you will. Yeah. That's definitely very true. Ever um I guess, like, you know, that opposite of the top of the world feeling. Have you ever felt, like, ugh? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. All the time. I mean, as an actor, I feel like everyone probably has a breakdown, like, once a week. (laughs) Maybe not as much as a comedian. Well, I guess you do as a comedian when you, like, bomb. You're just like, oh, my God, I just want to dig a hole and I never, ever, ever want to move or get out of it. Is that sometimes an expectation versus reality sort of situation because with acting with com- with some of the comedy work or me i mean maybe some of the acting work but 
as you said, when you're talking about your process, you said, okay, well, some of these are going to fall flat and I have my own convictions about the stuff I write. So I'll maybe still put it in the set. Is it like the buildup of something that makes the letdown feel greater? Mm, maybe. I mean, when you bomb, like you it's very obvious that you're bombing. I don't know if that's like expectation or not. They yeah. hate you. They hated you. They did not like you. <laughs> that's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you probably weren't expecting to do so horribly, but it. Yeah, it's. I think it's different in every circumstance. Thank you, Esther, so much for coming on today. I knew I was going to be laughing, but I also appreciate your vulnerability to also explain parts of your identity and share different parts of your experiences that I think will really resonate with listeners and just appreciate you taking the time. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say something a lot meaner. (laughs) What would you say? I don't, I forget. It flew, it flew out of my mind. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, yes, kiss my toe. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pay you. And that's it for today. Make sure to write a review on Apple Podcasts and leave your email in the comment. We're going to be giving away a free one-year membership to the China Institute that you don't want to miss out on. We're also getting more active on Twitter, as you've hopefully seen, providing content that really elevates and supports what you're listening to here. Our Twitter handle is at Ta for Ta. And of course, we still regularly check our email at ta.for.ta.china at gmail.com. Ta for Ta, Women, Success, China is a proud member of the Seneca Network. Many thanks again to Kaiser Kuo for co-producing, Jason McRonald for editing, and Jamie Louie for marketing. Until next time, I'm Juliana Batista, and this is Ta for Ta.